Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Justin Best opens up our new series, Peace and Pain, where we will talk about pain in life and how Jesus is our source of true peace. Justin talks about worry and what Jesus says about worrying in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. He encourages us to seek God's kingdom as God provides what we need, not what we want. When we seek first the kingdom, our priorities in life change and we start to find true peace. We hope you enjoy this message. How's everybody doing? Yeah, we're doing yeah. That was the only response I heard was how we're doing, I got yeah. Yes, we are doing. We are doing the thing. That was you. Taylor said yeah. Smooth one, Taylor. All right, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Justin. I interned here this summer. You might recognize me. You might not because I'm not wearing the normal romper, the red romper I wore on Epic. They told me it'd be distracting. I thought it was, I thought it was a good fit, but they said don't wear it. Where's the red team at? Who's on red team? Hey, hey, blue team, can you guys remind me who won the trophy? Can you remind me who won, though? JJ, who won? Was it red? We won. I forgot. I, it slips my mind sometimes. I forgot. You think? All right, JJ confirms. Jesus is the real winner. That's quote of the day by Frank. That's all we need today. We can go home. Frank just preached to us. All right. Abby kind of introed a little bit, but we're starting a new series called Pain and Peace. And Matt also introed on the Instagram story, kind of stole my thunder. That was rude of him. He's not even here to back it up. He said he didn't like you guys and didn't want to be here. He told me that. His word's not mine. Lucas likes that. Lucas is happy Matt's not here. Yeah, but the... The series is called Pain and Peace, and we're going to be talking in the next five weeks, I believe, about worry, anxiety, depression, suicide. So there's going to be some weeks where it's, it's heavy stuff, and guys, we might have to talk about our feelings in the next couple weeks. No, that's the worst. How dare you ask me deep questions and make me think about things? That would be the worst. JJ's not happy. Go back. No. So, Matt introed that. It's, uh, these are issues that, have, that are becoming more common amongst young people, older people, even younger people than you guys. And they're starting to be talked about more, which is the pro of, like, hey, having struggles with how you feel and how you're thinking is okay. Like, it's okay to be not okay. And so we're getting ahead of the curve and we're doing a whole series on talking about it, just to put some language to it, just get you guys thinking about it, I'm looking through all these issues through the lens of the gospel. So today we're talking about worry, and we'll be in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. So what I want to know is, what do you guys worry about? I want answers. What do we worry about? School. What about school? Jess? Huh? Tests at school, grades, like sports games, friends, friendships. What was that over there? Work. College. What else? 
running out of, you know there's a gas station at like every corner, JJ. Don't ever worry about that. Don't ever worry about that. Huh? Don't go to Ennery. What else? What else do we worry about? Boys. Girls. That's a hot topic there. So who in here, who in here is like a type A planner? Like they plan out every detail and when they have stuff to do, they're like, all right, I got to do this to lead to this and then I'm going to get to this and then that and then, but then if one of those things goes wrong, they're like, oh no, I have to change and rearrange and this. Who's that? Some of us in here. I can't relate. I can't relate one bit to that. I'm the exact opposite. When I make plans, it's like, I'll text some people and be like, hey, you guys want to do something Saturday? And they'll be like, yeah, dude, let's do something Saturday. And then Sunday rolls around and we're like, wait, dude, we had plans to do something Saturday. We never said what we were going to do or when we were going to do it or how we were going to do that. That's kind of how I plan. Yeah, cause it's because we're nines. It's because we're nines. That's exactly how I am. So I can't really relate to you guys, but that just kind of shows that worry can come in different forms. It's different for everybody. For me, it... It came from seeking approval, living up to expectations, how other people thought of me and how I wanted my image to be portrayed to others in the youth group, in my school, with the people I work with. So for me, it was very different. In high school, I played a lot of sports. Uh, I went to Southside, Christian right up the street. Who goes to Southside? Yeah, go Sabres. Come on. No, let's not go Knights. Let's go Sabres. But... I played football, basketball, and baseball at Southside. So for me, worry was how I was going to play in the next game, how other people were going to look at me and be like, Justin had three strikeouts in the baseball game? Are you kidding me? Never did that. That's just an example. But I was always worried about how my coaches were going to think of me. Are they going to bench me next game? How after the game, like, my friends are going to think I'm not good at whatever sport it was. It even went to the point of, when I was in the locker rooms, like, after a bad game, I would, like, take my time showering and make sure I have everything. I'd fold stuff. I don't ever fold stuff, but I folded stuff because it took longer. So, like, I would take my time in the locker room. I'd even be like, hey, coach, why don't I – I'll sweep up. I just want to help out. I want to serve. I really want to serve. That was my excuse. I really want to help. I want to clean up. But really, I was wasting time, so I didn't have to come out of the locker room and see a bunch of people who were going to be like, oh, Justin had a really bad game. He had like six turnovers in the basketball game. And so like I was worried about what they were going to think of me, about how they were going to perceive me and my image, and even expectations that they didn't have for me that I was like, my dad really, I need to like do really good in this game because he's going to think I need to do good because he played sports and he knows what it's like. So like I put expectations on myself. Others had expectations of me. And I was trying to live up to those. So what I want to ask before we get uh, into the passages, what would it look like to not worry? What would that look like? Like to not have to think about what other people are going to think of you, not have to live up to these expectations, not have to, for the type A people, overthink the future, to overplan. What would that look like? Like, we're missing something. There's got to be 
a key there. There's got to be something that, that we're missing, that we should be striving for. So we're going to be in Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So this is Jesus talking. Got the little red letters in your Bibles. What he's doing here is he's setting up a value system with the birds. So birds are cool and all, but like, are we better than birds? Can we, can we all just like agree on that? Yeah? It's like we're, we're better than birds. Birds suck. John says it. But in Genesis, Jesus says, or God says, that he gives us dominion over birds. And Jesus here, I'm pretty sure, Jesus knew his Old Testament. I'm pretty sure the people he's talking to knew their Old Testament. And so I think he's referencing Genesis, and he's saying, hey, my father already told you that you have dominion over the birds. You are more valuable than the birds in his eyes. Yet here it says he still takes care of them. They don't worry. They're not over planning the future. They're not worried about what other bird friends are thinking of them, expectations of other types of birds. Like God gives us dominion over them. God puts us higher than them. And he still takes care of them. So he's setting up a value system there. Keep reading in verse 27. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So in the beginning part, he sets up a value system. We're better than birds. In this part, he's setting up a time system, a time frame, a timeline of, hey, we're here today, but it's not going to last forever. And he uses the lilies of the fields and the grass to talk about that. So who knows who Solomon is? Who is Solomon? King Solomon which means he was rich, which means he probably had nice clothes. Like if King Solomon was here today, he'd be like Gucci flip-flops with the Rolex. If he was a girl, he'd probably have like Lululemon everything. Like he has top of the line everything. He's wearing Yeezys every night. Like he's got it all. And uh, Jesus says that not even Solomon was dressed like the lilies of the grass, of the fields and the grass. So if you go on a hike and you're walking out and you're looking at all of nature and all of creation, we're, we're praising God's splendor and his power. And you know he created all that and it's all beautiful and we're looking at creation. And what it says is that's still here today and gone tomorrow. So... By worrying, in verse 27, what, what's the point? It says, can it add a single hour to your life? So is there like, there's not like some formula that I don't know that's like, hey, if I worry for like 10 days straight, like 
hard enough, then I'll add like two more years to my life, and like there's no point to it. It doesn't help you out at all. All it does is worrying about tomorrow takes the joy away from today. So the peace you have today and the joy you can have today, that all goes away when you're too busy worrying about tomorrow. So in the first part, it's a value system. The second part is the time system. Keep reading in verse 31. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I think this is where the passage, passage kind of shifts. He goes from saying, hey, don't worry. Like, I got you. I'll take care of you. Like, don't worry. He says that over and over. And here's where he shifts. And he's like, hey, before I'm saying don't worry, here's where I want to insert what you're supposed to do instead of worrying. He changes from telling you what not to do to giving you advice of what to do. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. So what he's saying is, he knows what you need. He says the pagans run after these things. They run after clothes and food. Uh, in the context of who he was talking to, clothes weren't like super readily available. Like nobody had 40 different outfits and like three different pairs of shoes each day. Like if it's raining, I got to wear these boots because I look good with these jeans that I got on. They didn't have that at the time. So what he's talking about here is like these are necessities for life. You need clothes. You need food. He's saying, don't worry about these things. God's got you. He knows what you need. The pagans run after what they want. God knows what you need, and he will provide it for you. So what I want to do is kind of define worry. Like, what am I talking about when I say worry? When I was reading through this and figuring out what I was going to talk about, I kept getting stumped at points because I wasn't, being clear on what, I've, what I felt like it means to worry. So what, can somebody give me a definition of worry? Anybody? When you're scared? What else? What you got? Mm-hmm. Thinking about the future. To me, worry... Worry means... Looking to the future, which is not a bad thing, because you do have to plan and prepare, but looking to the future so much that it distracts you from today, so much that it takes away from you seeking God, from you chasing after what we're supposed to be chasing after. And steal from Matt a couple weeks ago when he was talking about Mary and Martha and how Martha was serving. She was so, when Jesus was coming to their house, Martha was serving and she was cleaning and getting food ready and preparing and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Matt said a good thing like serving like planning for the future becomes a bad thing when it distracts you from the best thing I think that kind of helps understand what it means right here by worry he's saying when it becomes too distracting when it takes away from what you really need to be focused on and what you really need in life is when worry becomes a lack of faith.
So I had a friend. Does anybody in here like a diehard Clemson basketball fan? Basketball, not football. Some people just pick one sport because we're good. Yes, they have a basketball team. So one of, one of my buddies back when I was at Clemson, he, uh, he played basketball for Clemson, traveled around the world with the Harlem Globetrotters. He's the type of dude I want to be when I grow up. He uh, had a quote a few years back. He said, it is so much more freeing to walk in obedience than to live a life of excellence. And this kind of kept popping up in my mind when I was studying and reading about uh, this passage. And it kind of goes back to the question I asked of, like, what would it look like to not worry? What would that look like? And this isn't specifically talking about worry, but I think you can rearrange it a little bit. He said, it's so much more freeing to walk in obedience than to live a life of excellence. So he's saying it's freeing. When we listen to what this passage says, when we don't worry, when we're seeking the kingdom first and his righteousness, it's freeing rather than trying to live a life of excellence. And to me, in this case, a life of excellence looks like trying to control the outcome, trying to look to the future and being like, hey, that's the college I want to go to. I super want to do that. I want to drive this car. I want to date that girl. Even that, I want to do what I want here. Like, trying to control and do what you want, have your plans and your priorities rather than God's plans and God's priorities. That's what I think he means by living a life of excellence. So doing what he says here of not worrying is freeing. When we, when we try to control the outcome of the future, we get trapped under the control of worry. So the more control we try to take, the more decisions we try to make, we really lose control by being controlled by worry. Does that make sense? Yes. No. We're on the same page. Okay. You're with me. Um, so really trying to control, we lose control. And um, I know some people are probably like, but Justin, you don't know what I have going on. I have this thing in school, and I have college coming up next year, or I have a game. It's a big game. It's like a region game. You wouldn't understand because I have this, and then that girl likes me, but I, but I like that girl, and I have to text her, but my Snapchat streaks have to be kept up. That's an important one. You just don't know what's going on in my life. And I think, I think if anybody had an excuse to worry, like if there's anybody out there that was like, Hey, here's what I got coming up. Do you think it's okay for me to worry? I think the only person I would say yes to would be Jesus. And he shows that in the Bible in Luke 22. He talks about he's in the garden praying. He knows what's about to happen. He's going to get arrested. He's going to get beat, persecuted, thrown up on a cross. He knows what's coming, his future He's not surviving the next week. Like, he has pretty crappy set of circumstances coming up. And in Luke 22, he, talk, he, he says, God, Father, if this is your will, I'll do it. Like, I know what's happening. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy, but, but I'll do it. Like, he's seeking the kingdom first. Not only is he preaching, like, hey, don't worry. Seek the kingdom he lives it out later in Luke. He knows what's coming, 
And when he says that, it says he begins to pray earnestly. So he knows what's coming. He sees the kingdom, and he prays, and he says, God, you got me. I know this. This is, this is your will for my future. This is you, what you want for me. He knows exactly what he should do, which is to pray. And it says an angel came down on him and strengthened him, and he began to pray even more earnestly. So even as he was being comforted by God, he still kept praying. He knew that's what he needed. He knew that. So Jesus preaches it. Jesus lives out the example, and that's the example that we should follow of seeking first the kingdom. When you begin to seek first the kingdom and your priorities that you thought were important, you begin to realize when you put God first and you put the kingdom first, everything else that you had at the top, like your cars, your jobs, where you're going to school, who you're going to date, all that stuff begins to fall. And you realize, like, okay, that stuff doesn't matter. That stuff doesn't matter at all. What matters is doing what God says, seeking the kingdom first. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to bring the band back up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we could come here, worship you, sing about you, hear about you. Thank you that we have these opportunities to come together with other Christians and to hear about your word. Please give us peace throughout the week and as we go on and we remember these words and we remember that you will take care of us. You have our best future is your intentions. So give these people strength. Let them remember the words that are yours and not mine. In your name I pray. Amen.